0: the key to any sort of balance is just being honest about who you are and finding a company and a team within that company that aligns best to how you how you value things
1: welcome to beyond high street my name is jenny Derrick, and i'm the dean of the farmer school of business here at miami university today i'm joined by michelle herrick who graduated with a bachelor's in business in both accounting and finance back in 2003. michelle thank you so much for agreeing to do this podcast beyond high street.
0: Hi Jenny thank you for having me.
1: As our listeners know during the podcast we weave through a range of topics so our listeners can get to know you and your background more about your journey to the role you currently have and your reflections along the way. So before we get into the nitty-gritty can you just give a brief summary of what your current title is and a little bit of how you got to that title and then we'll dig in around the edges.
0: Sure So it's nice to be with you. I am currently the head of real estate banking at JPMorgan Chase. A little bit first on what that means and then a little bit on how I got here. So JPMorgan Chase uh, has a lot of different ways that we support clients across the real estate industry. Real estate banking focuses on the um, banking needs. I sit in the commercial bank. We focus on the banking needs of real estate developers, real estate private funds, REITs, there's a lot of different ways that um, real estate owners and operators have organized themselves. And we help them think through their financing needs, uh, capital markets needs across a variety of products and solutions that this firm offers. So it's a really exciting uh, group that I now have the privilege of uh, running. And we support fantastic clients nationwide.
1: Now, you've been in that role for five years, but you had 10 years at B of A. So can you talk a little bit about that role?
0: Yeah, so I started out of Miami, which uh, was a great feeder into uh, all sorts of different finance and accountancy careers, different careers. I started in a commercial banking training program at LaSalle Bank, which is a regional bank that no longer exists. It was a great way to start a finance career when you weren't exactly sure what you wanted to do um, in finance. I had both accounting and finance. I was technically strong, but enjoyed uh, a little bit more of a sales aspect to the numbers. And so commercial banking really fit that for me. Um, You're kind of leading people around a banking organization with a variety of solutions, it certainly um, is sales Sales in that you have to be able to listen to someone's need, understand what they are looking for, or what problem they're trying to solution, and then you know talk candidly and honestly about different ways that you think you can help them, or if not, different other places that they could go to find the solutions they're looking for. A training program was by, the one I was in was by industry. And so it let me go around to different industries and kind of get a feel. Real estate at that time was one of the industries. It was not how um, it was not as heavily heavily institutional as it is twenty years later today. Real estate was not majors, minors, not even coursework available um, at that time. And so, in this training program, exposure to the real estate industry that had been my first access point. Um, and candidly, I was hooked. It was, it was a really great group of clients that we were supporting. But what I really enjoyed was what they were working and what they were trying to problem solve had such major community impact. And so from that training program, I ultimately placed in the real estate team um, at LaSalle Bank. They were acquired by Bank of America. I was a sales production, uh, sales originator for the next decade and then took my first management role, as you referenced, at JPMorgan Chase five years ago, running their central region. And then eight months ago, became the head of real estate banking.
1: And I think for those uh, who are listening, especially our students, there are a couple of key things that you've talked about. How important sales is, even though you weren't Trained in sales, but but the ability to persuade and communicate internally, I think, is is clearly something you're really strong at, and that's really elevated your career as well. And I think that's important for our listeners to to understand.
0: Absolutely, I um I love numbers. I think it's a huge part of problem solving. When you can understand what's happening, model it out, and figure out you know what's driving that problem or what the solution could be. But my personality and what I enjoy is human connection, you know, talk to me about what's going on. And so the sales component combined with the um, analytical, for me, commercial banking, um, and and really, it's not just commercial banking. There are a ton of financial roles uh, where just your modeling skills, important, but by no means the only contributing uh, factor to success.
1: And and you mentioned, of course, for the benefit of our listeners, when you were at Miami, at the farmer school, there wasn't a program in real estate, but now there is. So for those who are listening, we now have both a major and a minor in real estate. So make sure you find out about that if it's of interest to you. So I want you to talk about the human connection. Well, you've, if I can expand on your personal life just a little bit here, I believe you're the mother of three beautiful children, 12, 10 and 8. So talk to us as much as you're willing to share about your, your lovely children and how on earth you balance uh, quite a big job that you have as as running you know group here for North America and real estate banking for for JPMorgan Chase and and this balancing act that I'm sure you think about every minute of the day sometimes. <laughs> please please do share.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do have three children. Hannah is twelve. Lucas is ten. Chloe is eight. Uh, it is a really fun time in our family. I am a Miami merger. My husband, Rich, graduated in 2002. Um, We have been balancing both of our careers and the importance of us having a family and spending a lot of time together as a family, not different from um, the choices that a lot of people make. Um, We're really enjoying this current phase because the kids are a little bit older, but still young enough where they like hanging out with mom and dad. And so it's really important that we're not missing uh, anything that we want to do, recognizing that this all goes by very quickly. I think you know my priority is family. That everyone though has interests and activities that inspire them, that keep them busy, that keep them motivated, and they're uh, and positive. So, work life balance to me is just making sure that and this is what I think so fun about you know where so many listeners of this are at not only are you picking a career path in terms of what interests you what aligns with your skill set you then kind of you, you you start down a path and you have just the largest variety of employers to then choose from everyone has a little bit of a different feel to how they accomplish what they're trying to accomplish culture to the, the individuals that work there. And so I think the key to any sort of balance is just being honest about who you are and finding a company and a team within that company that aligns best to how you how you value things. Um, that's that I don't have any deep insight other than that. And then on a personal note and I was thinking about it this morning, you know, build yourself a support network. I have a lot of great friends that frankly cover me um, and have covered me as I've taken this new role over the last year. And I was thinking about this morning. These are not women I knew at Miami, but we've since become very close friends here in the town that we live in. And yeah, it's something in the water at Miami, the the PTO president currently, the head of the Girl Scouts, true. But these are all Miami women balancing very successful careers with a lot of um, giving back to the community. So, I think everyone makes it work and when it works for everyone, you get the best results all around in personal and professional output. So talk to us
1: a little bit about, you know, the last couple of years. Like we feel as if we're back to normal here on campus and it's just been joyful to walk around the farmer school building and it's filled with students and it just feels normal. But in the last couple of years, talk to us as much as you're willing to share about how you've managed to juggle work-life balance when you've probably been working from home as in some days and not other days. And, And I'm just curious to know how that's gone.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the pandemic was. A enormous amount of impact. um in my professional life, right? I mean, this is a, this, I work at a bank that moves trillions of dollars daily. And essentially the majority of that work left the centers where it had always been accomplished and went, um, to everyone's homes, uh, safely, uh, quickly for the necessity of global, uh, economy. And so that was a crazy couple of weeks. But very inspiring in terms of um, what can be accomplished when really everyone puts their minds to it because there are no alter- alternatives. This has to be successful. We have to figure it out. Um, Layer in real estate and the impact of a pandemic kind of in the unimaginable suddenly becoming reality. All urban centers are essentially closed to non-essential workers that put a large component of uh office workers in traditional urban areas out of those areas for extended periods of time. Um, Retail and e-commerce and the discussion between the two, um, suddenly e-commerce became, in particular the last mile delivery, a necessity of essentials delivered to all populations, but particularly vulnerable populations quickly when people didn't feel that it would be safe to leave their house to go to the grocery store or the traditional Um, distribution channels they could find what they needed in Uh, that certainly played itself out over the last couple of years in big ways um, in the um, industrial sector that we support apartments we we do a lot of apartments housing um, you know when no one leaves the building these are buildings that typically people were leaving eight to ten hours a day right to go to their jobs and suddenly no one leaves well that you your trash is overflowing, right? The amount of packages coming, the logistics of all of this um, need to be changed and need to be changed very quickly to serve the population that's depending um, on the owner uh, to, to make sure that they're supported. So, and then the office buildings, right? Now sitting largely vacant for large periods of time, driving really the foot traffic that supports the local economy. What's the impact there? What's the new normal? What's the, what's the new equilibrium across all of this? It's been really interesting. Um, and then yeah, to your point, trying to think about that, solve for that, manage our portfolio, support all of our clients while also doing e-learning for three children behind me was was a bit of a a bit of a challenge. I'm glad that hopefully we're not heading back there uh, anytime in the near future. But we're lucky we have a great school district here and we got through it.
1: We did indeed. Uh, I noticed also you did an MBA at Chicago at the Booth School and completed that in 2009. So talk to me about the decision to go back to school and do an MBA and some of the uh, lessons and highlights of that that education.
0: Yes. So um, I did go back to get my MBA at the University of Chicago. I started that program in 2007. So I was three years outside of undergraduate when I applied, which was early um, and I can, I would credit another Miami student actually and encouraging me to apply. He had been in the first year of a program at Chicago called Chicago Business Fellows and encouraged me to apply for the second class of this program. And really what it meant was um, with test scores and additional recommendations, you could start a little bit sooner. Um, that they, they felt that those two things would balance out the typical five years work experience. And so it put me with the opportunity to get an MBA MBA earlier, um, which I did appreciate. I didn't know it at the time that I started, but I graduated pregnant with my first child. And I think the window for me to have accomplished that would have quickly closed. So whether that was intended or not with that program, I'm very appreciative to that program that I was able to get the opportunity. I did. four concentrations, again in accounting and again in finance, and then entrepreneurship and management. So it was a great experience.
1: And just before I move on, I also want our listeners to know that you, you were named in Crane's Chicago business 40 under 40 list this year, and you're number two on the Commercial Observer's Power Finance list. So congratulations on all you've accomplished, and I know there's a lot more to come.
0: Thank so
1: you. Let's move on. And I want to Go down memory lane just for a little bit. <laughs> to, okay. to Miami, and I've got a battery of questions that i'll I'll run through and just as as you recall. So when you look back at your time at Miami, who was your favorite professor?
0: So this is going to be terrible and that I can't remember names, but I'm gonna tell a story about this professor, and I wish I knew his name because he changed my whole career path. i um I grew up in Cincinnati, and so, I was local-ish to campus during the summers, and I signed up for the first accounting class over the summer, and I'm sure I did that because I thought, this is going to be really hard. I think I want to take it, you know, just as a, on its own. Um, At that time, I had assumed, you know, I'll either be an English major, or if I head towards business, I'll do communications and marketing. And so, I'm in this small class in Middletown. I I have no idea. It's probably like a Tuesday night that I'm driving up to Middletown and taking this class. And I'm thinking this is a bit of a throwaway. And two things happened in this class. First, I meet one of my favorite people in the world who still continues to be that one of my best friends. She was transferring into Miami. And so she was kind of trying to get her course load too. So that was number one. Second, this professor pulls me aside, you know, towards the end of the class. And he says to me, hey, listen, I don't know if you're thinking about this, but you're really good at numbers. And I wasn't thinking about it because no one had really ever told me that before. They've always said you're good at writing. And so I'm assuming I should aim towards that. He says, I think that you should really consider a career here. You'll be able to differentiate, differentiate yourself in this field and you have the you know, capabilities to be successful. So I wish I knew his name, because I, it, it made a difference. It made a real impact with me. It gave me the confidence to take more classes and decide to major in an account, accounting and finance. And I don't think I would have done that without that pull aside and encouragement from him.
1: And before we go on down memory lane, I love the story. And I think there are so many professors who've had lasting impacts on our students. And that's one of the things I love about here. But we know that finance doesn't attract as many women as it should. In fact, only about a quarter of the um, finance majors are women. So you've talked about how you got into accountancy, but how did you get into finance? What was the trigger for that? Do you recall?
0: I don't recall other than I think it it, it broadened, right? the accountancy track 20 years ago, and I imagine it's different today, was very much a focus, I mean, just by the number of accounting firms further consolidating. At the time it was a big five. Um, and it was a wonderful career path, but I wasn't sure if that was completely the right one. And finance had so many different avenues in it. Um, I just figured out I'll, I'll do both and leave my options open.
1: Good. I love it. So what was your least favorite subject?
0: It's a good question. I can't, I can't think, and this is terrible, Jenny. Give me credit because this has been two decades ago. Um, Let me tell another story because I think it's the opposite of my first one. And it, and it had a similar impact. Again, I, I don't remember the professor's name. It was some sort of investment club or class where there were 10 of us. To your point, I was the female or one of two females, and uh, we were picking stocks and we were investing money. And it was very clear like, I liked it, but I was not passionate about it. And so, when we're in this small group, there were definitely five or six students that came in and were, you know, fighting to talk over each other. And clearly, this is what they should be doing. I'm sure I was trying to do it because I thought it would look good on my resume. And, you know, maybe I thought I liked it, but I, I would guess I picked it because I thought it would be good on my resume. And so I needed a reference and I went to see the professor and I said, you know, I, I need to ask for a reference. And he said, ah, uh, and I said, I said, uh, right. Like and, and the point of it being, I'm sh- I don't even remember what I was trying to apply for but I knew very much that I was number eight, nine, or 10 in this group of 10 people. This was not my passion. This was me trying to be something I'm not because it felt like I should try to be it. And I think the professor gave me an honest assessment of you shouldn't try to be this. And as awkward as that was at the time, I think that served me so very well in my whole life. If you're who you are and it's the right fit for you, everything feels great because you get to be who you are. If you're trying to be something you're not, or you're trying to fake a passion for something you don't have, every day is just going to feel that much harder.
1: That's so true. such good advice. So what co-curricular activities were you involved in?
0: Uh, let's see. So I played intramurals with friends. I was in a sorority and I used to purposefully leave Oxford because I love Oxford, but it was a bit of a bubble. And I would go down to Hamilton, Ohio and volunteer for an organization. I don't think it's named this anymore. Um, St. Joseph's Orphanage was a foster care program. And so I was a big sister uh, supporting, um, again, I don't think that's the name, I think it's now New Path, but supporting that organization.
1: That's such important work. And and we always talk about, you know, to our listeners, especially students who are listening, it's what your contribution is to and for society that's really important. And and so I'm so glad that you, um, thank you for the work you've done and and for sharing it too. So moving back to class, were you a morning or an afternoon person? So my question really is, what was your favorite time of the day for class? Mm,
0: I would guess that it was mid-morning. 10 a.m. ish. Maybe nine. Definitely not those eight.
1: Not an eight o'clock person. Good to know. What was your favorite night of the week while you were at Miami?
0: I think Thursdays. That feels like you could maneuver your class schedule. There was still so much excitement heading into a weekend. That was a good night uptown.
1: Did you intern at all while you were at Miami?
0: I did. I did. It didn't have the pressure that it has today. And I say that as one of the corporations that has so many different opportunities for internships, and I think they're all wonderful. I My first two summers, I spent working, saving money to pay for while I was at school. So um, it wasn't a formal internship, but I do think, oh, my gosh, work ethic and having to introduce, go into somewhere and say, hi, my name is Michelle Herrick, and I think you should hire me. Um, that was a real skill set development and wait, being a waitress, being a lifeguard. I um, did a catering company. I sat in one of the call centers for federated department stores at the time, federated owned Macy's, Bloomingdale's, JCPenney's and wore the headset and um, then no internet right? Or Internet was just getting started. So people would call with the magazine in front of them and read me the 20 digit numbers for the item and I would type it and then they'd read me their credit card. And I don't think, I, 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 we've come a long way. And as the person that used to struggle to understand what number someone had just said into my ear said, I'm glad that we've, we've advanced from that. Um, my summer between junior and senior year, I took an internship with um, National City Bank, which no longer exists, it was purchased by PNC live with a Miami um, good friend who was interning at Cleveland Clinic. She became a doctor um, and had a great summer, you know, because internships are such a fun experience. It's just such a safe way to enter a company's culture and figure out, is this work the right thing for me? And is this company the right place for me? Um, I did an accounting internship, internal audit, lovely group loved the people to be fair i think they probably tasked me with the worst work right they they were the one i was the one that got sent into the very senior executive to remind him that when he goes to lunch he should lock his desk drawer so i you know i think they kind of sacrificed the youngest person on the team to do some of the tougher things what it confirmed for me was i loved the environment i loved the groups that i was going with the audit team to take a look at and I really wanted to be in one of those teams going deeper versus uh, an audit team that was floating around across quite a few. So it was incredibly impactful for me to pick then the LaSalle Bay training program to get myself uh, to get myself more to the front line um, from the audit function.
1: And some really important points that you've shared with our listeners, you know, how important internships are, they were when you were a student, but they've become become even more important now. And most of our students, in fact, pretty well, 100% of our students have one internship, and now more than half have two. And when students have an internship, there is a clear differential in salary. So I think that's really important for our listeners, the students who are listening. And I love the story you shared about Macy's as well, because I think, There are different times in our life we have the opportunity to take jobs where we uh, interact with the general public. And I think that's a really rich uh, um, and important experience as well. I really truly believe that.
0: Yeah, I see, I mean, I see a lot of the resumes in my current role or in the roles that I've had before this seat. Um, I will say so many students have blow your socks off resumes. And My only advice, um, because you can sense it in some of the conversations, is that this has become a little bit of a pressure cooker of the perfect resume. And I will take an imperfect, honest conversation with any candidate every time over a perfectly rehearsed, I I know the exact right answers because I've talked to someone or I've read it on the internet. It's not productive. And again, even if you get it based on that, is that really what you want? So I would just put that out there on the whole I resume.
1: See. And it's so such important, because there is so much pressure on our students. We understand that and we see it and we we worry about it. But to your point, if you're giving rehearsed answers, you're trying to figure out who their authentic self is because you're hiring. you know that someone who's come through the pharma school is competent you know they're smart to have in here. you know that they're they're smart to have got through the program so it's hiring for fit as much as anything else isn't it so if they're giving you rehearsed dances, you don't really know who you're working with and that's the risk to you as a hiring manager
0: it's a risk to us I would say more for the individuals you're also trying to find a good fit for yourselves so don't do yourselves a disservice and trying to force something or trying to fit somewhere if that's not really who you are
1: its such important advice it really is just to be your show up authentically so where did you live in your freshman year when you were on campus
0: porter hall
1: do you remember the room number
0: no idea yeah.
1: <laughs> first <laughs> floor about, yeah first floor there you go that's that's pretty good what about off campus you said you're in a where, whereabouts and did you live with sorority sisters
0: yeah, I lived in Richard, Richards Hall, Richard Hall, um, my sophomore year, which was where a lot of those ladies were. Um, and then we moved off campus for junior, senior year. We lived on Talawanda um, in a house with eight of us. I think it's since switched names. It was Foxton when I was there.
1: Have you been part, do you drive, do you come I back did, to campus? I did or? not
0: make that name. It, it, the yeah, name existed right, before right.
1: we As they often do, yeah. do you come back to have a look or do you drive past?
0: I was there, I need to come back more often. This this conversation is making me miss Oxford. Um, we were there a lot initially because I have a younger sister that went to Miami, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law. There were five years where we were there every year for someone graduating. Um, and I've been back a couple of times since. What's crazy, Jenny, is I'm about to start coming with my children to talk about this is college and you guys should start thinking about, you know, is this the right fit for you? And what do you think you want to do with your lives? I, I That blows my mind that this is coming full circle for Rich and I.
1: It's a frightening thought, isn't it? What, what is What your favorite building on campus? Not Uptown, but on campus.
0: Uh, is the rec center there? Yeah. Yes, the rec, the rec center. I'm, and that's terrible. I just can't remember the names of a lot of the other, the upper marches, either of those. It's so pretty. It is such a beautiful, beautiful camp.
1: place. It really is. What about your favorite spot uptown? What's, what was that?
0: Good question. We spent a lot of time at, I feel like the Skipper's top deck combo um, was the Skipper's fries can't be beat.
1: I need to go there. I haven't, I haven't been to Skippers for fries. Every time I think to go there, it's packed with students. And then when the students aren't there, I, I just forget to go. So yeah, it's, it's on bagel, the bucket
0: you, you have to mention Bagel and deli
1: oh, Of course, right next door. That's good. Yeah. So, what's your most memorable personal experience when you were here?
0: Oh my gosh, so many. Which is such. Sust- I mean, it was four years, right? And you knew it was special when you were there. Um. But it's crazy the foundation that my time at Miami set for, for Miami to me was such a transition for myself in becoming an adult, right? What am, who am I? What am I going to do? You know, who do I want to be? What do I value? And so many friendships and relationships I and mean, relationships my husband and I met there and, you know, that set the foundation for my entire personal life. Um, I think if I was going to pick memories, it would be, I was studied abroad. That's where Rich and I met. And um, that was just a fantastic experience. But I remember there were, I did the summer in Europe program. There were 140 of us. And I remember standing in Greece on a night, looking around with all these friends thinking like, this is one of the best moments of my life. And I'm glad that I was aware enough at the time to remember it because it really was, it was such a great experience. Um, and then I just really, what really stands out to the last night before we were leaving Oxford, we had graduated, we'd stayed for a couple of days. was with all my friends. We stayed up because we had, just we just had this energy, right? Like we had had a, a great experience. We had all picked totally different career paths, which is such a testament to how that school really finds everyone's strengths and helps shape you. And so we were onto these, all, everyone in the, in the room had exciting journeys ahead. It was still totally unknown, right? Like you, you, this is over. We don't know what's next. Um, it was, and then so full circle, my friends and I all just turned forty. You mentioned forty under forty, so it's not a surprise. It's my age, um, and it was just so fun. Twenty years later, to be like remember that night, remember what we didn't know, and look at us now. Everyone has these great stories, has accomplished these amazing things. Um, that I think that's a memory that stands out. Just as a, we didn't know what we didn't know, and now that we know a little bit more. God,
1: what a journey. And I love the way you've expressed it too. When I talk to many alumni, it's one of the great gifts of my job is I get to meet incredible people just as as yourself. But they often talk about how they grew up emotionally, socially, and academically here. And I think that's a great gift of a place like my university. It's just an incredible place. It's a safe place, a bubble to grow up. And, And when I speak to incoming students, I always say to them, we offer you abundant gifts and it's really to you to receive them and, and just receive them with open arms because you don't know, to your point, you don't know how things are going to turn out after four years, what the path is. I, I love it. So if yeah. you look back at any part of your time here, is there anything you would have done differently?
0: Um, no, cause I didn't know what I didn't know yet. Um, and, but I, I do think, I mean, I took a lot of really cool classes, like I horseback riding, pottery. I, I think that it, you know, it made for well rounded individuals. I, if I was doing that to get easy A's, which sounds like me a little bit, I wish I would have, um, and I don't even know if this is possible, but something that's so relevant now and something that Miami is so known for. Is the whole education program? I mean, thinking about how teaching is a component, not just with three children that I'm trying to shape, and I've actually tried to help teach a little bit and failed uh, fantastically over the last few years. But um, you know, those skill sets—like I see my my teacher friends and their mannerisms and their um, kind of practiced cadence and speech—I wish I would have known then. find a couple of those classes because that's a skill set that would serve me very well
1: that's great so we're moving on to the last section of the podcast where it's to you to give advice now of course you've given some rich and great advice through the the discussion we've had but as we wrap up I want you to think of two different audiences one an incoming freshman and two someone who's just new in their career, like one or two years into their career. So what would advice, what advice would you give someone who's into their first year? And what would you give as advice to someone who's early career?
0: Great question. I think I would give the same advice, honestly. And my advice is just, these are all different stages, but they come with the same opportunity, right? You can't possibly know with certainty what's ahead because you haven't experienced it yet. And so any time of transition, I think the best approach is to be honest in what you know, ask a ton of questions so that what you think, you know, you confirm. It's a lot of times, right? You think you, and, and to just be making as many connections and friendships and experiences as possible because, it doesn't come again, right? I can never go back and restart my career and I can never go back and restart my college um, experience. I think just recognizing where you're at at any given point and embracing that for all the opportunity it provides, I don't see how you can go wrong with that
1: great advice so as we close i just want to thank you so much uh, for the gift of your time to allow me to record this podcast one defining characteristic of the farmer school of business is just how engaged our alumni are and how willing they are to continue to find ways to support the school its students our faculty and staff and other alumni so thank you michelle and go well as you continue in your journey beyond high street
0: thank you